National Signing Day is less than a week away on Wednesday, February 1st. Colorado's already made a lot of noise. Is Deion Sanders about to make some more? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And we are starting and ending our show today. Today with John Garcia Jr., our Locked On Recruiting Insider here at the network. John, it is now six days as this episode drops from the second National Signing Day, which feels still important, but perhaps not as eventful as it did, say, two, three years ago. 100%. Yeah, there's still big-time recruits available, but from a volume perspective, there's no doubt. It is not the uh, all-day TV drama that it used to be but still certainly some movers and shakers and uh, some of these commitment lists and and rankings will tweak a little bit here in the next week or so so still definitely gotta go over the 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 nitty-gritty as they say the timeline of Deion Sanders getting hired I think led to kind of an interesting influx of, of talent at different points in time you know there were the immediate players the Shadur Sanders the Travis Hunters of the world but then after the first national signing day my takeaway was well it was kind of a quiet day in the Pac-12 for the most part and it was kind of a quiet in terms of surprising news a, a quiet day for Colorado many people objected to that notion I said well, well hold on I, I, he, he just got there he, he, he just got there got to give him some time I feel like he's gonna pull off a big surprise or two going into or before the next national signing day, which he did with Cormani McLean. But now Colorado's trying to do it again. They're in on the Nicholas Harbor sweepstakes, who is as unique of an athlete as you're going to find coming from the prep ranks. So is Colorado really in the mix there? We're not sure. Uh, Early this week, it was actually Harbor who kicked off the Colorado speculation by uh, geotagging his location as Boulder, Colorado. So <laughs> when the freakiest two sports star we've seen in a few years does something like that, um, the whole college football world says, is Dion really going to do this again with another player that they weren't even in the ball game for? And I think that's the next hurdle, right? Do it with a player that's not a corner because Dion's obviously got a unique pull to that position. So Harbor would have qualified. So in that light, yeah, there was kind of a, depending on where you look, there was either a, a collective eye roll or a collective uh-oh. And either way, I, I think it speaks to to the Dion factor. I mean, that's in essence why he was hired, let's be honest. Because even at the last minute, even for the most coveted freakish athlete across the country in Washington, D.C., if prime calls and that offer comes and that visit invite is extended, other teams are on alert. I don't care if it's Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson or USC, whoever it is, that other group of contenders is like, oh, okay, this is what we're dealing with. Uh, so 
I, I think that was a great sample as to the power of Dion to where even posting a location near Dion starts to make people talk and, and speculate. So yeah, at, at one point early in the week, it looked like he was already in Boulder. And after that point, it was about could Colorado stay in the mix? Cause he was in fact, not in Boulder when he said he was. So that's where we're at at this point. Uh, and really the ball is in Harbor's court. As far as we know, he's got a visit to Oregon this weekend and then he's committing on the first. Now, if that plan holds through, Colorado does not appear to be the threat that social media told us it, it would have been. But if he starts to stall and or push things back, a la Cormani McLean, it's game on. Because we know Deion Sanders is very aware of the rankings, very aware of the available talent. And he's one of the few coaches that embraces it and doesn't pretend to say hey stars don't matter and that stuff doesn't matter he knows it matters and he has embraced that element which is why colorado has been incredibly ambitious on the recruiting trail since he took over and that's the other end of the Dion spectrum it's like you've got to be in the mix or try to have a shot at, at shocking the world and now that he continues to do so with these top recruits it's becoming more of an expectation and, and and the fear levels are rising around not only the Pac-12, but everyone else in contention for these great players. So if Harbor pushes things back, keep an eye on Colorado. He's got a lot of visits. Uh, he's obviously coveted enough to go beyond February 1st and that first day of the traditional signing period. So if that happens, it, it's game on with Colorado. But even without that, again, the notion and, and fear almost that exists when Dion gets involved is very real. It's very tangible. And it's something that has to be talked about from Nicholas Harbor to anybody else. He is someone who would be a perfect fit basically anywhere he goes, but I could argue no more so than with Colorado because he doesn't really have one position locked down. There are a lot of different directions he could go, be a Kyle Pitts type where he's a wide receiver, tight end hybrid, and he's just a freak athlete there. He can play defensively as well. He's played some edge in high school. He has some comparisons to Isaiah Simmons that you could see where he might be a guy who you could literally play at all three levels. Heck, put him at quarterback. Why not? I mean, Sorry, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah, just say, Shador, you're going to be the number two. We're going to just play, run the Wildcat here. That's not actually going to happen, uh, of course. But on a roster where you had basically no redeeming talent from last year's team and you're trying to rebuild from the ground up, even with all the players that they have added and all the talent Colorado is bringing in, it would be a great fit because they could try and find the best home for him. And he's not pigeonholed into, well, no, we need you to play this position because we've got this guy over here. Harbor would really be able to go there and 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 have his choice. The last time we talked to Harbor in person was, was at the end of the year uh, in Orlando for the Under Armour event. And the last thing he said to kind of the scrum of reporters that were, were mobbing him when he got there, yours truly included, was – don't be shocked if I play both ways. So there's look, there's an ambition in Nicholas Harbor, right? He wants to be an Olympian on the track. He wants to be a Hall of Famer, first-round draft pick on the football field at whatever position. He wants to be a surgeon after that. There's a lot of ambition in Nicholas Harbor. So, again, you start to think of these dynamic personalities and a Deion Sanders recruiting them, and that's where you can understand why the, the college football recruiting world 
dropped what they were doing to try to confirm whether or not Harbor was indeed in Boulder. So, yeah, he's a kid who's very much willing to bet on himself and very much willing to take a chance in recruiting, which is why his recruitment isn't, you know, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. It's it's South Carolina, Michigan, Oregon, um, maybe Colorado, Miami, uh, schools trying to get over the hump as opposed to those that are looking down from the mountaintop. So uh, it would certainly be intriguing if something like that were set up. Um, it would put everybody on notice. And, yeah, he could fit anywhere, as you said, but Colorado would present something unique and different, especially if that two-way hint wasn't just a joke. You just can't ever ignore when Dion is involved. I know you all recognize that for better or worse, but just is is this what it's going to be going for? Just anytime Dion is is involved, are we going to follow that? I want to ask John about that and much more from around the Pac-12 on the recruiting front after I tell you all about FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. I love the Eagles minus two and a half this weekend. By the way, I don't know about you, John, but I, I like the Eagles and I like the Bengals too because I just don't know if Patrick Mahomes is is fully is fully healthy. I don't know if you're a big gambling man over there, but those would be the sides that... Uh, that I would be riding on. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So it's almost unthinkable given a couple years ago, but speaks to the power of Prime that When you factor in the transfer portal, which I always will when referring to recruiting rankings because it's such a big part of talent acquisition now, arguably the most important part depending on which school or program you are at, to see USC, Oregon, and then Colorado. Like if you took a screenshot of that and you went and found Marty McFly, got in the time machine, hopped back to the future to 2000 or went back to the past rather and then came back to the future – but you showed him that clip of 2019, he'd say, well, no, that's that's doctor. That's just not that that's just not possible, you know? And yet there's Colorado right there above programs like Utah, like Washington, like UCLA that have had more success and have been larger brands a- as well. Is this what we should expect going forward that Colorado is going to be a perennial top two or three recruiting power in the Pac-12? I think so. And I think that's why you bring in a Deion Sanders. Everything else is TBD. Hey, can all these newcomers, and it'll be, what, 40-plus newcomers at least uh, in Boulder at some point this year, can they gel? What about the scheme? What about this pretty interesting group of assistant coaches under Prime? Can they gel? How does Prime handle it from a CEO perspective? What about game planning? They start at TCU. All of that stuff is totally up in the air. But talent acquisition, it, it's already proven. It's already tangible. The hypothetical of, well, can Dion do it in the Power Five? We have already, it's already done. Like we already have that answer, what, a month and change into his tenure because it's not just great high school players. And look, there are flips on this list that I'm looking at from Auburn, from Notre Dame, 
from Nebraska, from Kansas, which all of a sudden feels like it's a stronger flip situation over the last year or so. And obviously from the Miami Hurricanes with Cormani McLean, who is just the number one corner in the country. Even if you're a skeptic from high school rankings and talent acquisition perspective, the portal has players in it that have been productive in the SEC, in the Big Ten, uh, in the Pac-12, everywhere in the sport of college football, these guys have made some type of impact. And they're now electing to play for Colorado, sometimes sight unseen, but certainly uh, talent and, and proven levels unseen on the football field. So in that aspect, talent acquisition is already tangibly better and improved and maybe permanently improved under Deion Sanders. All of that now shifts towards the on-field product, which is certainly it's not the be all end all. If you have the most talent, look, TCU just taught us that up until the national title game. So that part we'll see, but talent acquisition. Yeah. To me, that conversation is over and you will expect to see that CU logo on top of that Buffalo uh, higher than you've ever seen it before on the internet, because that's where Colorado is going to live going forward. Top 25 classes will be the floor in my opinion, from from a talent acquisition perspective and that means you're among the best of the best i think it's what made it such an appealing hire for the buffs is it just gives them a level of relevance and a higher floor on the talent acquisition talent acquisition front than they they've really ever had since they joined the pac-12 let's shift away from colorado now and get to the rest of the league because plenty of interesting trends on on that front and and i want to go through a couple of the surprises here at least in the perhaps negative sense on, on the recruiting trail for, for certain teams. When you look at the the talent acquisition rankings right now in the Pac-12, the, the two that stand out the most to me, John, doesn't mean there aren't good players in, in the class, but Utah, the two-time reigning Pac-12 champs, are currently fifth in the conference. And Oregon State, that just had its first 10-win season since 2006 and just feels like they're on the up and up, is sitting all the way down there at ninth. Is it how how hard is it when you're at programs that aren't traditional recruiting powers to capitalize on success on, on the football field? Because I think those teams are showing you that it's even harder than people think. Yeah, that's a great point. Look, Utah is I don't want to say won't ever win the Pac-12 recruiting battles, but the, it's hard to imagine them being number one on a consistent basis. Let's let's say that in part because they're so darn good at identifying early, latching on to talent, and developing said talent. It's the opposite of this instant gratification feel that maybe Colorado has attached to it. Um, And then secondarily, they're not going to go crazy in the portal. I mean, you look at Colorado and you look at USC and you look at UCLA recently, you certainly look at Arizona State, they're going ham, as the kids say, in the portal, both from a talent and volume perspective. Utah's got like a handful of guys uh, coming in via the portal and a smaller recruiting class. So in the metrics of how you evaluate these things, their their floor is almost, or their ceiling, I should say, is almost where they're at right now. Top five is like the best case scenario in some instances for Utah because the volume and the plan is not on par with what is lifted up from an algorithm perspective in some of these metrics. Uh, So I think that one is, is... relatively safe and stable, even though it's not going to be, hey, you're on the up and up. For Oregon State, on the field, yes, there is a higher ceiling because you have now shown the ability 
uh, with a stable coaching staff finally to make plays and, and create big wins in an increasingly competitive conference. And I think you've seen that reflected in the portal in particular, right? DJ Uyunglele coming on board, grabbing an Aiden Childs from a high school perspective, big time recruit. You feel like you've got your quarterback pipeline established, but you're still geographically challenged. You're still battling that logo uh, that of unfamiliarity when you go outside of your footprint. So from a portal perspective, not as attractive of a destination. And then zooming out even more, just look at the teams in your immediate region. Obviously, in state, you're dealing with Oregon, always a perceptional advantage for the Ducks just based on history, even based on uniforms. Another kid in, in the South told me he grew up an Oregon fan because of how they looked. Nothing else. So Oregon State is fighting that constantly. And then the, the other schools geographically closer to you, your Washingtons of the world. I mean, Utah, we just talked about, are always going to be able to recruit at a higher clip from a ceiling perspective because not only have they been there and done that, they're closer to bigger metros. And there's more benefit of the doubt associated with those logos. So even when you win at Oregon State, you've got to sustain it because that's that's really the biggest difference in terms of staying relevant. But even still. Not a crazy portal class, a very um, average, I would say, high school pool from a volume perspective on top of that. So some of those same Utah principles carry over to Oregon State as well, bringing in a couple dozen players overall, as opposed to, you know, nearly 50 like Colorado and Arizona State will. Are there any teams that surprise you? And these rankings can change on National Signing Day, but there's not going to be a tremendously high volume. So these are not a, not totally set in stone, but right. they're, they're pretty close. There won't be a tremendous amount of movement even after February 1st. But as you look at where the teams are stacking up for their, their talent acquisition, for those of you who don't know, USC is first, Oregon second, Colorado third, UCLA fourth followed by Utah, Washington, and Arizona. Next three are ASU, Oregon State, and Stanford. And then Cal is at number 11. They've actually climbed out of the bottom on that front, adding a couple four-stars to, to boost their class ranking over Washington State, who are currently sitting uh, 12th. Are there any surprises kind of in the middle there for, for, for your mind about, you know, wow, I, I thought they might be able to do a little bit more, or wow, they're doing a lot better than I thought? It's got to be Arizona State for me. Um, both – from a volume perspective, the biggest portal class, even compared to Colorado, uh, that's borderline shocking in, in my mind. Surely you understand, I guess, geographically why folks might want to head out to Arizona State. But given the perception, which we just talked about at Oregon State and how important that is, the perception of ASU is depleted roster, NCAA situations going down, new first-time head coach. That doesn't quite profile that well on the surface level but obviously kenny dillingham and company have circled the wagons they've gotten top talent to visit which is always really the main hurdle there at arizona state and obviously they've gotten some benefit of the doubt thereafter so i'm surprised to see such a big and interesting portal class headed to arizona state and then from the high school perspective it's been galvanized i mean there's really no other way to put it i think at one point arizona state had like four commitments till pretty darn late after the weather turned in the cycle. So there there were a lot of situations that that could have gone awry relative to Arizona State. And now, you know, they're hosting Jaden Rashada. Their their portal class is the biggest, I think, in the country at this point. Uh, they, they've even got some commitments that haven't yet signed that they might have to make decisions on. 
here coming up on February 1st. Uh, so they've they might they might be in a position where they have to trim some fat as opposed to hey, everybody come on down because this roster is depleted and it's turning over with the new staff and it's going to be crazy. They might actually have to say no thank you at some point. And that part especially is not something I thought I'd be discussing even before National Signing Day. Last thing I want to talk with you about, John, is uh, a, a little bit of a Debbie Downer segment of sorts, but it need be discussed. The bottom three teams in recruiting in the Pac-12, Washington State 12th, Cal 11th, Stanford at 10th. With the way, and look, it's, it's a small sample size in this new transfer portal era, but I get the sense, given Pullman's location, the history of Washington State, and then the academic standards at the Bay Area schools, I really feel like going forward, it's going. It's not going to be uncommon to see those three at the very least amongst the bottom five. I think they've just got a number of disadvantages there. Stanford, to me, would be the most likely to be able to pull it out if Troy Taylor can turn things around because I think they have the strongest football brand of the three by far. But I look at those programs, and you know, if you just gave me a, a blind guess at who's going to be who who the who are the bottom four recruiting classes right now all of those programs probably w- would have made it in does it feel like it's just going to be a further uphill battle in this new age of college football for for programs like those absolutely you and you hit on the exact reasons why um the academic standards at Stanford and Cal basically cut you off from the transfer portal um you can lose players to the portal which both of them have and in quite abundance, but to bring in transfer credits and that entire academic process is incredibly difficult, even at a, a run of the mill average public school. So imagine at, at programs like that academically, you, you aren't even going to refresh the portal like every other school does every single day because it's just that hard to to get things locked down. You're almost better off bringing in a, a freshman uh, who hasn't really gotten going. Uh, at the high, at the collegiate level academically than somebody who's two, three, four years in, or even with a degree in hand. So the portal is always going to be limited at best for those two schools. So again, by this metric where volume is a very important measure and variable, you're always going to be on the lower end of the spectrum. That said, new coaching staff at Stanford, you understand why I think it's the smallest group Uh, of high school recruits and portal players combined. That is totally understandable because, again, academic standards, portal, and the the new coaching staff trying to figure it out all at the same time, that one has a bit of an asterisk by it for for this cycle. But, again, you understand why the portal is always going to be an issue. The other two, same deal. Um, Oregon State and Washington State are kind of in that same ballpark that we just talked about. Even when things are good, you're number nine if you're Oregon State. When things aren't as good, wazoo, you can be at the bottom any given year. That's just kind of is what it is. Um, it, it's going to be hard. you got to go real, well outside the box to start bucking that trend. And then Cal pulls a little bit from both of those other perceptions, right? Um, academically, not quite Stanford, but right there. So you have some of those same portal perils. And then on the field, I mean, you talk about, not being as relevant in your state that's something cal has always 
had to deal with in the state of California. So that is also going to hurt you just from an offer impact visit perspective and creating that same benefit of the doubt we talk about in recruiting, especially as USC and UCLA in particular simultaneously take steps forward uh, against you with with you know less established coaching staffs you know so those numbers are only going to continue to skew the other way in in almost a seesaw effect uh, as those two rise Cal may fall so I think those three at the bottom is is unfortunately for them going to be a bit of a consistency but it also should be said to try to end this thing on silver lining um, the Pac-12 is good and getting better so that number eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 doesn't quite hit negatively the same way it did two, three, four years ago. So I think that is something that should be said, because this is a league that I think coming up in 23, people are going to be as tuned in on as, as any in the country. And I don't say that mm. just because I'm on a Pac-12 podcast. It's <laughs> it's what it's what I believe in where I stand, because I want to see these quarterbacks get after each other in this league. It, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, the the lineup of quarterbacks and teams in 2023, and it's the final year for the LA schools. There's a lot of a lot of big storylines going into 2023. I, I'm curious if, if there's a league in the country that's got a deeper lineup of quarterbacks. I mean, Shadur Sanders is kind of an unknown, but kind of not. He's got great arm talent, but he's you know going up against much higher level of competition. You can ask Cam Ward how difficult that is but he was still good last year for for washington state like like when those are those two guys are looking like your sixth and seventh or seventh and eighth best quarterbacks at this point in time and that's uh, a pretty a pretty darn good place to be from a quarterback perspective if you're commissioner george kleofkoff And, and just a final note on the transfer portal washington state has added seven players via the portal Cal has added 10. I am intrigued by Sam Jackson, the TCU backup, who's probably going to be their starter. They have not gotten a lot out of the quarterback position over the last several years. They've got a new OC, so they're changing things up there. Interested to see what what goes on. But they've added 10 transfers Cal has. Stanford, one. Yeah. And and it just that's what it's been for the Cardinal. Year after year, they can't add transfers like anybody else. And it places a a tremendous onus on your coaching staff to develop high school talent into power five capable players. And that's, it's not that it's impossible, but I think it's more difficult now than it used to be. Absolutely. And now you're doing that through a coaching change and uh, what what comes along with it, schematic changes, particularly on offense. So it's going to be, it's going to be uphill. So hopefully, hopefully that administration understands that and, and gives that crew some time for sure. Yeah, that is uh, definitely the mindset you have to be in if you're a Bay Area football fan. John Garcia Jr., our Locked On Recruiting Insider here at the network. Appreciate the insight. As always, we'll catch up with you again after the next round of National Signing Day. Thanks, John. Thank you. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.